Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jer McCarthy, and you can follow me on my Instagram and Twitter accounts at JerMcCarthy74. This week's guests include author, Irish examiner, columnist, and camogie player, Ema Ryan. We'll also hear from Cork City Women FC's Player of the Year and Players Player of the Year, Eva Mangan. Clannacilty RFC PRO and Under-16 Girls Manager Vicky McCabe tells us about the club's huge rise in playing numbers. And we hear from Munster LGFA champions Mornabby following their provincial final victory over Aherlow. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Author of the book Holding Her Breath, columnist with the Irish Examiner, co-editor of Banshee Literature and St Finbar's Camogie player Eamor Ryan is one busy person. Eamor took time out of her hectic schedule to talk to us about her various careers on the Big Red Bench. Uh, no, it is a real thrill for me to be joined by uh, one of my favourite writers uh, out there at the moment. She writes for the Irish Examiner as a columnist. Her name is Eamor Ryan and you may have come across her work also for Banshee Literature and her fantastic book Holding Her Breath published by Penguin Books. Eamor, God, I have so many things I want to ask and so many things we can cover. First of all, welcome to the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Hi, Jared. Thanks a million for having me. Um, the real reason I have you on this week uh, as, a, as a guest, and thank you for joining us, is the brilliant article on the Irish Examiner, and I would encourage anyone to go online and read it. Emer's um, uh, most recent work, uh, which begins with, are you still at the Camogie, which I think is a fantastic opening line, and the questions that you get over Christmas about whether or not you're still playing. Um, having come back from injury and dealing with injury and being a writer and all the things that are going on in your life. What I love about that particular article is the love of Camogie is still there as it should be. And your reference as well to a 62 year old uh, in Limerick, the junior B Pauline McCarthy, I think was a lovely timely reference as well. First of all, how much fun was that article to write or was it fun? And secondly, how much are you enjoying uh, since you've become a columnist for the Irish Examiner? Yeah, I, lo- I love writing for the Examiner. Um, it's a great experience, and I, I work with some fantastic editors in there, like Tony Lean and Larry Ryan and and Colm O'Connor, and they give me a lot of leeway, which is great. They kind of just let me kind of follow my nose and and write about whatever interests me that week or whatever's kind of playing on my mind. And yeah, the week gone by, I was just kind of reflecting on on the kind of strange year that I had, um, recovering from this injury. This completely self-inflicted injury by the way I, I fell off a skateboard which I probably shouldn't have been up on I wasn't going to mention that but thank you for bringing <laughs> it up anyway yeah. yeah and I think you know if my injury had happened through camogie it would have been easier to deal with in some ways because it would have felt um more worthwhile or something I don't know but um yeah I suppose I was just and thankfully I'm coming out the the positive end of it now I'm kind of getting back and back in the gym and I'm back doing a bit of tentative jogging and things like that but it was such a kind of a a mad journey um after breaking my ankle and uh you know just I suppose as a sports person you take so much for granted physically you know um if you see a big flight of stairs you're like oh yeah grand not, not a bother or if someone tells you that you know the restaurant is is five kilometers away and you have to walk to it you're like yeah grand I can do that um but I suppose just being incapacitated for a while just completely changes your perspective and you know even when I was recovering as I said in the article, you know, I found it very hard to to let go of the crutches, you know, and to kind of trust my own two feet again. And it's kind of mad that something you, you do automatically and take for granted um, all of a sudden just seems very, very daunting. Yeah. And the thing the thing I liked about the article as well and the way you write, 
it's very relatable. You don't even have to be a camogie player like yourself to understand that fear of getting over injury and coming back and making those tentative steps. Just having the confidence, as you said, your brain is so powerful. Like you're ready to go, but your brain is saying, hang on, hang on be careful. Um, have you found that, uh, you know, especially with your with your camogie career, you know, I know you played for the Bars, but like that you would have had injuries, as you said, when you were younger, but getting an injury when you're that bit older, it's the mental side of it more so than the physical. You're going to recover. It's just having the confidence for your brain to tell you that it's okay. Exactly. Yeah, the, the mental side of it is huge. And I suppose I was I was lucky in my younger years. I never really had a serious injury. And the last couple of years in my 30s, I've 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 done both knees at different times. And now this this ankle injury unrelated to Kamogi. But um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I, the, the mental side of it is is huge. Um, and just kind of processing those emotions as well, you know, I had so many feelings of guilt after I did it, you know, just um, making my family worry, letting down my teammates, you know, even, I suppose, taking up a hospital bed in, in a pandemic, you know, you just, you go through a lot mentally and emotionally and um, all of that is part of your recovery as well as is, is dealing with those those feelings. Yeah, I think you're being hard on yourself there, but I understand <laughs> where you're coming from. Um, I also wanted to get the opportunity today to talk to you just about journalism and breaking into journalism. I know you're a successful author and a fantastic writer with some of the books that you've already produced. But writing for The Examiner, um, like off the top of my head, some of, some of my favourite writers nowadays are yourself, are Joanna Reardon, uh, Sinead Farrell and Emma Duffy at the 42. But we don't have enough female writers. And I don't mean that it should be female writers or that you, you, know, you, need, you need to push female writers or, or be pandering to that. But I think an awful lot of young girls that are coming out of secondary school, especially that are like writing and are like reading and are interested in journalism, more and more are getting attracted to, to that line of work and to that potential career because they read people like yourself and they see people like yourself, um, not necessarily being successful, but being producing quality work. Are we getting there in terms of equality? Are we getting there in terms of having enough people like yourself, like Joanne and, and, and the 42 writers? Um, we certainly need a lot more, but... Are we getting there from what you've seen over the last couple of years? I think so, yeah. I, I think what you're saying about visibility is, is so important. You know, um, like when I was growing up, there were very few female sports writers, but there was like Mary Hannigan in the Irish yeah. Times, who I loved. And Me too. Still love. Um, she's, she's such a funny and sharp and insightful writer. Um, so seeing for me, seeing her in the pages of the Irish Times was like, oh, yeah, I could do that, you know. Mm. Um, and I, as you say, like it has those those writers you mentioned, like I think Emmett Duffy is brilliant, like and um, Joanne is 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 excellent as well in the Times. And Joanne has a really like broad view as well. She writes a lot about you know athletics and you know American sports, and like she's really knowledgeable about all different kinds of fields. Where I suppose I'd be more focused on on the GEA side, um, but I think it it's getting better. Um, one of the things that I love about being a female sports writer is. I think I do bring a different point of view, a different angle. I think, you know, I think there's a lot of male sports writers who I love, but I think that is a different perspective. You're more of an insider, you know, and most of the, the main characters in the sports stories are people like you, you know, you're men. Whereas if you're writing from, from a woman's point of view, you're kind of on the outside and as a writer that's not a bad place to be because you get a completely different perspective on, on it and I find that really interesting and I kind of try to lean into that different perspective and, and make a virtue of it rather than feel like it, it makes me too different to to do this job or it, it doesn't qualify me. Um, I think 
having a different angle can can be an advantage as well. It certainly can. That's actually that's actually a very good point about having the different angle on it. Not necessarily because you're a woman, but because you feel, and a lot of women do feel like they're on the outside when it comes to sports coverage. I see that firsthand in covering women, uh, ladies football, and come out a little bit more camogie than ever I've over the last year. And what I also find is that the chauvinism is still there, not necessarily in the journalism industry, but just in society as it is. You know, I get I get at least one remark a week. Why are you bothering with that ladies football? You know, what can't you write about? And it's, you know, it's it's, it's kind of funny when you say it, but it's still sad in 2021 into 2022. I, things are changing. And it's something Valerie McKay said to me recently, and she was spot on. It's changing. But, it, you know, is it changing fast enough? And you know, it needs to be pushed, you know, that equality is so important that any young girl coming out of secondary school or heading into a journalism college course can see a path. It can see a path for a future where it's fair. If your work is good enough, it doesn't matter what gender you are, he, she or they. You know, your work is what you are judged on. And that should that's really all it should be. Now, I think we're a long way off from that, unfortunately. But we are getting there. Or please tell me I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, I, I think we are. And and it's it's brilliant as well that I see yourself like covering women's sports. And I totally see where you're coming from as well, because it's it's kind of interesting territory. It's 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 new. It's growing. It's there's so many stories there that are untapped and that you're kind of going in there and, and telling those stories. Um, and giving and bringing out those new voices is is really important as well. Talk to me about writing books. How much you enjoy the process, or do you enjoy the process? Um. <laughs> no, you're like me. You don't. <laughs> but you love it. You love getting to the end when it's published. But it's the people forget what what you have to mentally and physically go through to get there. Exactly. Yeah, I think the early drafts are a lot of fun because they're creative and you're just exploring ideas and you're. You're having fun you're making things up um at least when you're writing fiction but i think it's it's the later drafts where you kind of have to knock it into shape and just being confronted with your own sentences over and over again and you know a sentence that you were once proud of uh, after you've revised it 20 times you're so sick of it you know um so it, it does get hard towards the end but i i do love those initial just um bursts of imagination and playing with characters and and yeah, playing with ideas as well. Talk to me about holding her breath as to published by Penguin Books and, and available in all good bookstores, he said. Um, how much of a joy was it to see that, you know, in your hands and on, and on the shelves or just even to get to that the promised land of the publication of it? Oh, it was incredible. Um, I, saw, I saw a Twitter thread recently that was kind of asking authors, you know, what was the best moment of the whole publication process? Was it hearing the news that it was going to be published was the publication day what was it you know and for me it was getting the box of books in the post um about a month before the official publication day and just you know physically holding it as an object that now exists you know and, and something that was in my head for years is now yeah. an object you know and and could go on on the shelf alongside all my favorite books like that was such a great day um and i've i've photographed it that day and my smile is just kind of taking up half my face, you know. Um, Absolutely was... so. <laughs> yeah. um, talk to me about being co-editor of Banshee Literature. What is, who are that, who are they, those good people? So Banshee was set up by myself and two of my writer friends, uh, Laura Cassidy and Claire Hennessy, in 2015. And initially it was a literary journal, and it still is a literary journal. It comes out twice a year, um, and it features poetry, short stories, essays, and flash fiction from all kinds of different writers. And we're still going with the magazine, but um, 
since 2019 as well, we've been publishing books. We've kind of published one book a year. So our most recent book is a collection of spooky short stories by Deirdre Sullivan called I Want to Know That I Will Be Okay. Um, it's an absolutely brilliant book. One of the stories from it just won the Irish Book Award there uh, last month. Congratulations. I was coming to that, but thank you. Well done. Deirdre's a, a brilliant writer. Um, and now coming up next year, we have a book of poetry by Rosamond Taylor coming in May. And we have a memoir by David Toms coming in September. So, um, yeah, I, I love being on the, the publisher editor side of things as well. It kind of, again, it gives you a, a very interesting perspective on creative work and just getting to, to work with brilliant writers and, and get their work out into the world um, is, is really fun. Excellent stuff. Well, it sounds like you're as busy and, uh, as, as ever and the quality of the work is, is, is as good as ever. I really love reading your work. For anybody interested, you can find Banshee Press at, at Banshee Lit on Twitter and details there of all their books and publications are there. And you can also follow Emer on Twitter at Emer underscore Ryan. And as I said, read all our good work in the Irish Examiner uh, whenever that comes out as, as a columnist with them. Emer, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, continued success in your career and your writing career. And uh, we look forward maybe to talking to you again sometime next year and seeing what's next on the horizon for you. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Chair. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. 2021 has been an unbelievable year for Cork City Women FC's Player of the Year and Players Player of the Year, Eva Mangan. As well as making a name for herself at senior women's national league level, Eva has also featured prominently for the Republic of Ireland women's under-19 international team. Now, it is a real pleasure to be joined by not only the Players Player, but the overall Cork City Women's FC Player of the Year for 2021, Eva Mangan. Eva, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to talk to you. You've had quite the 12 months, I think it's fair to say. Uh, you're 17, just turned 17, but not alone have you come through the ranks of Cork City's under-17 squad, but you also made it onto the senior panel earlier this year. Can you tell me about the moment that you were told you were going to be playing for the seniors for the first time? Yeah, so we started pre-season in like January and we had our first game in March. So I had no idea, like I didn't even think I'd be in the senior squad but Ronan and Paul let me know that I would be training with them so the day of our first game against Galway they told me I was going to be starting so like I was so shocked but I was um I couldn't wait to get out and show them what I could do. It's a big step up though um Eva to be fair for somebody so young and when you would have played I know you would have played uh, National League at, at the under 17 grade and uh, international under 19 but the physicality of the senior game how, how hard was that to, to come to terms with? Oh yeah there was definitely a massive difference and even like the speed of the game was like well more faster than the 17 so um, I think I adapted well to it to be fair because the training was the same really as the game so yeah. Um, you mentioned Ronan Collins and Paul Farrell are the ones that called you up how much of a help were they to you? Oh, yeah, they were brilliant. Even like when I go off with Ireland and stuff, they're always saying what I could improve on and stuff like that. So they were definitely a big help um, to how I adapted to the Women's National League. Yes, and that Women's National League was extremely competitive this year. Now, City are clearly, uh, Cork City FC women are clearly a team in transition. A lot of young players coming through like yourself. But the likes of Shelburne and Piemont, I mean, the, the experience you gained from just going up against them, that's really going to stand to you in the coming years, Eva. Yeah, definitely. Like some players I was playing against, I was just like, 
wow, like to even be playing against them when I was younger, like I'd even hear of them. But um, yeah, we're a young team, but I think definitely like give it a year or two. We're definitely going to get better and better each game and like learn how each other play. So I think we'll definitely be ones to watch next year. That's true because look, it is it is a long game that Cork City are playing here. It's the correct way to do it. It's to bring players through like yourself to blood you as early as they possibly can at the senior level, gain that experience, and build from the ground up. Yeah, definitely. Like the talent coming up through the academy, like with the seventeens I was playing with last year, and even I still go watch the seventeens and the nineteens play. Like the talent that is coming up is just it's like wow, like the we like get taught how to play properly out from the back and everything so like if you can adapt that into the women's national league into the Cork City team like we'll be flying in years to come so yeah it's really good from the coaches and the academy Indeed it is now you came through the ranks at Carrigaline um, what age did you start out at the very beginning can you remember what age you were when you started playing soccer? I, I was around 7 or 8 and I started with the girls academy and I played up to I was probably like 11 and I I kind of quit for a year and I went on to the Camogians football but my dad got me back into it so thankfully he got me back into the soccer card line and from there I went on to Cork City 17. When you say you quit, was there just too much going on Eva? For so, like it's not uncommon for somebody of your age to be involved in a lot of different sports. Was it a case that you just had to take a break from things? Um, no, I think it was just that I, I enjoyed the camogie and the football more and I think I had more friends because I live in Ballygarvin and that's who I was playing for and I was playing for Cardline and I wasn't like more, more friendly with the girls down there so I think that's why I kind of just stepped away from it but thankfully my dad got me back into it Indeed, good good news for for Cork City and good news for the Republic of Ireland because um, the the academy and the setup in Cork City now for both boys and girls is one of the best in the country and it must be a great place to go and train. Oh yeah, it is. I started with the academy in Cork City uh, and trained with them for a few sessions and I then got brought up to the 17th but even like to just go training with the academy in Cork City was just class. Like with the coaches, like, they have so much experience and they're all qualified with badges and stuff so they really know what you're talking about and it's a step up from your club but like you enjoy it more and you learn a lot to take away I would imagine with the increased exposure that the Irish national team has gotten over the last 12 months that uh, schoolgirl soccer and youth soccer for girls is now on the increase that you, you, you might have seen more and more girls starting to take up the sport or get involved is that the case? Yeah, I'm I'm down in the academy sometimes helping out, so I see that like there's a a lot of more children coming um, down to try it out. So it's a good sign because I think in years to come that girls soccer is really on the rise. Like like when we broke the record for the uh, women's national league attendance, like it was unreal just to even be playing on it. So I think it's really good for girls soccer at the moment. It certainly is. Talk to me about Dave Connell and the Irish international setup. Like you, you were drafted in to the under nineteen squad. Now I know you went to Portugal uh, with the squad earlier in the year. What was that experience like? Um, yeah, it was a really good experience. So going to Portugal, it was kind of I was very nervous. In fairness, because we had we had kind of a break over the COVID nineteen, so we didn't really get to go away. 
um, with Ireland. So we played Portugal, Norway and Denmark and like Norway and Denmark were top seeds so they were just, they were class like they were a different level but we gave them great games. Um, Portugal, we beat them. They were they were a good team but we definitely gave it to them in that game. So that was um, a very good trip away and um, learned a lot of experiences over there but we played our qualifiers in Limerick in October and we qualified for the next stage of the elite so we got our group on Thursday so I think we're we're happy with our group to be fair to qualify Yeah now you, you play central midfield so over in Portugal first of all what was it like when you're in the middle of the park up against the likes of the Norwegians who would be one of the top seeds as you said in, in around the world at that at that grade I mean the experience that you gained in Portugal I assume was a real help when those qualifiers came around Oh yeah definitely like um, even over there the heat it was roasting like come seven o'clock in the day we were all we were all beta in the first half but they were um, they were a really good side like they they knew how to play um, they were very quick their fitness was at a different level like well higher than ours but it was a huge experience for like everyone on the team um, even ones who came on like to adapt to the game straight away so I think it was a real learning curve for us all and it helped for the qualifiers definitely Yeah and as you said those qualifiers you know it went the way you wanted them to go you also came on against Northern Ireland um, in a game that the Republic of Ireland under under 19s won 2-0 I would imagine that's a nice experience at the final whistle to be part of a team that's just won an important game Yeah it was great coming on and we had a good crowd at it as well so when the whistle blew and we knew that we qualified for the next stage it was just a relief really and we were delighted we were delighted with how the week went because we knew that we should have got results from the England game and the Switzerland game so we were just delighted in the end really Yeah because you lost narrowly to England and was it what was it, it was 3-2 did you tell me that the score was in the other game? Yeah the England game was 1-0 and it was just an OG really like it it was just like a bad goal to concede and Switzerland we lost 3-2 like we were we were definitely the better team but it was just I think it was just a few individual mistakes and maybe maybe it was just the way we set up so yeah it's just one of those days um from your own point of view, as a central midfielder, you spoke about the step up from under-17, under-19 to senior in, in the Women's National League. But I would imagine that the speed and at international level must be a huge step up again. I mean, that experience that you've gained over the last six months, Eva, I mean, how important do you now realise that, how, how, you know realise how important that experience was and it's something you want to bring into your game again next season? Yeah, definitely. Even the step up from 17 to the National League is massive, like, but if I compare the National League to the under-19 international, like, it's massive again. So, taking the international um, speed of the game into my Women's National League is just, like, will make my game even better and give me that inch um, quicker than everyone else. So, yeah, it will benefit me massively. Let's hope so. And look, you, you've you've... you've You've got a reputation for somebody so young. You're playing two years, girls and and players two years older than you over the last twelve months. But you've also chipped in with some pretty impressive goals. You must be impressive. You must be delighted with that and hoping to continue that on again in 2022. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm delighted with them. Even though I didn't score that much, I only scored I think it was like three or four. But I'm delighted to um, score them and try help the team um, win games and 
get the results that we should get. You're being very modest there with the small amount of goals you scored. Each one of them were pretty much screamers, though. Is that fair? Yeah, one one was the tapping, but one of them, I'd say, is my best goal I've ever scored. So but, but what a tapping. Yeah, what a tough First goal season. I'll take it. Excellent stuff. Well, look, Eva, congratulations on, on. I mean, oh yeah, just before we finish, I should say, look, you've been awarded the Players' Player of the Year and the Player of the Year for Cork City. Oh yeah, no, I'm delighted with them. Like to know that, firstly, my players um, on the team voted for me. Like it's it's lovely, like nice touch to know that they rate me as a player and what I've done this season. But like for even the supporters to vote for me like that was special as well to know that like they've been following our season and following our successes like it's it's a lovely touch for the end of the season and I'm delighted at them well it sounds like you're you're due a good rest and I hope you get that over Christmas and I also hope that we get to talk to you in 2022 both on, for Cork City and on the international uh, scene as well Eva Mangan thanks very very much for joining us here on the Big Red Bench having me. Thank you. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Women's rugby continues to thrive both inside and outside of Cork. West Cork Club Clonakilty RFC are a case in point and have close to 170 girls registered between the under 8 and under 18 ages. Clonakilty RFC PRO and under 16 girls manager Vicky McCabe joined us on the Big Red Bench to speak about the girls section of our club and how they're catering for growing demand. It is a real thrill to be joined now by Clonakilty Rugby Club's PRO and under-16 girls manager, as if she didn't have enough to do, Vicky McCabe. Vicky, welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thank you very much. Now, let's talk, first of all, about your club before we talk about just the whole explosion of interest in girls rugby in the West Cork area. But at the moment, Clonakilty Rugby Club, which is located just on the outskirts of the town in Shannon Vale, can you give me an idea of the breakdown of numbers of girls that are currently registered with your club? Absolutely. We have about 170 girls registered for the season. And we have those are broken down to under 18s, 21 girls, under 16s have 25 girls, under 14s have 45 girls, under 12s have 32 girls, under 10s have 34 girls, and under 8s have 12 girls. They are, by any standard, excuse me, and by any club, Phenomenal numbers, especially for young girls. I'm intrigued by the, before we talk about the under 14s, I'm just intrigued by the under 16s and 18s because in hockey, in soccer, in Gaelic games, in basketball, it's that age group, Vicky, as you well know, that it's very difficult to retain a girl's interest in sport, but Clan Rugby Club seems to be doing that. Absolutely. Um, I think it's because we have a very sort of inclusive policy. I mean, we still have girls joining our under 16 team now, like in the last couple of weeks, because they just hear about it from friends and they want to come and play. It's very inclusive. We start everyone off, you know, if they knew, we get them through the basics and then they just include it in the team. And there's a great camaraderie. There's a great buzz and feeling around the club that we just try um, to promote all the time. You know, they, they have great fun. They're great friends outside the club as well. Yeah, and you can see that just from your social media coverage, which has increased substantially over the past couple of years, and I think that certainly helps. But can I ask as well, from a rugby point of view, the competitiveness of it at the various age groups, it's non-competitive at certain age groups, but you seem to be catering for all interests. Yeah, um, so the minis, we like they, they you know, we, we treat it as non-competitive. They don't treat it as non-competitive. <laughs> if you ask them after any blitz, it's all like they won all the matches. 
But for minis, it's definitely all about learning your, you know, your ABCs of sport, your ability, your balance, your coordination. Um, and then the when you get to under 14, 16s and 18s, that does get competitive. Um, and our under 18 girls at the moment are doing really well. They've just topped their league um, table for their conference. Um, our under 16s are second in their league table. So we do definitely get very competitive as they as they grow older. But certainly when they're younger, it's all about having fun. Yes, and that certainly comes true just from your social media posts and from what Munster Rugby have uh, seen themselves and, and have been promoting recently about your club. Talk to me about yeah. your under-14s because 45 players is a phenomenal number to be looking after, but you've had some unique success with that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Our under-14 girls, we, we have 45 girls registered, which is obviously you can't play, you, you can't give everyone decent game time if you've got 45 girls on the team. It's just not going to happen. So what we've done, and it's the first time in history that the club has done this, and I'd say possibly in Munster, is that we have split them into two teams, the green team and the red team. They are split completely um, equally in terms of experience. And we've put them both into a league, and they're actually in the same conference. So they're competing against each other to get to the top, which is quite unusual. But it's, um, you know, we, we've got a huge amount of coaches involved with that team as well. So we just split everything down the middle and you know we're just supporting both teams just to do as well as possible how competitive were those games because i'd say there was nothing i'd say there was nothing left on the pitch was there oh no there's nothing they're very competitive and you know these girls are friends in school and you know they've known each other since they were babies and there is nothing left on the field they fight it out absolutely I could imagine at that age group. Um, under 18, you mentioned there, uh, not alone have you finished top of your league, but you're into a semi-finals and potentially a chance to win a Munster under 18 league, which we f- would be fantastic. But you've also had some very good success with the Munster under 18 development squad with this particular group. Absolutely. And it's worth noting that this is the first time we've had an under 18 team, I think, in the club well, at least for the last 10 years. So they, they're a brand new, like this first in their age group, and they are leading lights. We've got nine girls who currently play, um, who've been selected to play for the Munster Under-18 Development Squad. Um, they Kate Nolan, Kate Llewellyn, Quiva White, Ava Egan, Susan Walsh, Maeve Dowling, Ashling O'Moran, Megan O'Callaghan, and Alana Murphy. And um, some of those girls have been playing with us for years. And... They are just doing really well. They, you know, they played in the Munster Trials last weekend and they just, they're doing really, really well. They, they've got a great coaching team. Um, they've got Teresa Oliver and Carl Llewellyn and Johnny Lawless look after them and they're doing really well. They just are playing out the park, really. Well, that's great stuff. You keep mentioning coaches. You keep mentioning the numbers of coaches. It's clear that yeah. there has been a push within the club, not just this year, but in previous years, to get the structures right and to provide ample training for those coaches. But the re- I would imagine yeah. the response from parents has been fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've got over 100 coaches in the club at the moment across all the age groups and these are obviously all parents some of them aren't actually some some of the coaches don't have children playing with the club but they still come and coach which is brilliant but most of them are parents and Munster gives us huge support in helping us train them so that they can coach properly and we've held coaching days at the club before with Munster um, and so Munster give us a huge amount of support in in making sure the coaches are up to scratch really and you know we all sort of we all try coach the same direction in the same way to the same ethos. 
And that's very, very good to hear. Uh, Vicky, from your point of view, as both a coach and as a PRO, you've kind of got an overview of what's going on. Look, we've had, every club has had to deal with COVID and the effects of COVID on and off the pitch. Um, and yeah. it's especially difficult on girls of this particular age, from, from even from 8 to 18. How difficult yeah. is it going to be, or do you envisage it being difficult, retaining those numbers? How important is it to retain those numbers to the end of the season, which I presume finishes around the new year and into next year? Uh, well, our season actually finishes in April, so we finished the first round of league matches now, and then we go back into new league matches where they they reshuffle all the teams and they they play against different teams. So we actually only finish in April, and yes, it will be hard, especially because there's so many other sports that the girls are involved in. But we we just hope that we can keep them on and keep the the atmosphere at the club right. That's probably the most important thing for us. If we keep the atmosphere at the club right, they know that there's somewhere they can come and just play and be supported to the best of their ability all the time and that's that's our ethos and um you know it's not all about winning until we get to the under 16 under 18s yes it gets competitive then but up until that stage it's more about just keeping them engaged keeping them active and you know just letting them have fun and get out because you know with with covid they've had so much restricted that you know to be able to get them out on the pitch and playing with their friends is brilliant i mean in the summertime we ran a, a tag summer series on a friday night and people actually said it was like the Ahamala disco but on a rugby pitch because <laughs> they actually there were mixed teams so boys and girls playing together and we had barbecues afterwards and it was just like the whole buzz whereas was the first time they'd actually got to go out and socialize in quite a few months so it was brilliant it was really good so we just try and keep you know we just try keep the atmosphere correct and keep the, the the girls happy and safe and get them playing and hopefully we'll be able to retain them all and even get more like as i said we've had 316 girls join our group in the last two weeks so you know the, the girls tend to bring their friends along mm. um and get them involved so yeah it's really important just to to keep them coming and keep them going especially during the winter months you know any bit of outdoor exercise this was so good for them yeah, and just just on that, from from a parent or a guardian's point of view, I think for people who parents or guardians listening to this who may not know an awful lot about rugby, you don't have to be from Clonakilty or from Bandon to play for Bandon or from Bantry to play for Bantry. There's no parishes when it comes to to actual rugby that you are free to go and try out at any club and see if you enjoy it. But it it sounds like at this age group yeah. that you seem to be attracting more players even during the season, whatever about the off season. Yeah, definitely, uh, we are and. You can you can go play for any club, but you can't swap between club, clubs. Okay. Um, the RFU are very strict about that, you know, especially when the junior they they're very unless you've actually moved to a different part of the country, you're not allowed to swap clubs. So people generally come to the club that they're closest to, but you can play for. You know, we do have girls from Bandon and Skibbereen who come play for us, yeah. um, but it's it's unusual. It's, it is unusual, but it's, you know, it's great to have parents just supporting us. And I, I know one other thing that I would address is parents sometimes worry about the safety of rugby, but I actually think rugby is one of the safest um, sports because all our coaches have to do a first aid course um, and a an RFU first aid course and concussion course before they're allowed to coach. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of safety around it as well. And yeah, like like every club, not just in West Cork, but in, in Cork as well. I mean, the coaching, the fundamentals at the earliest age yeah. helps prevent that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we learn from a very, as soon as they start um, tackling, you learn the fundamentals of how to tackle properly, but also how to land properly to try and avoid as much injury as possible. And all coaches are very well versed in recognising um, head injuries. And, you know, they just 
pull players off immediately. If they if they think there's any problem, they pull them off and they rest them and they, they get them seen to properly. Excellent stuff. Well, it sounds like Clannacilty, like a lot of clubs in Cork and outside of Cork, are continuing to attract a lot of young girls to the sport. Continued success in 2022, Vicky. And who knows, we, might, we might be back to you again when there's a few trophies on the cabinet. Oh, brilliant. Thanks very much. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Amor Abbey overcame Tipperary's Aherlow to win a seventh consecutive Munster LGFA Senior A Championship in Mallow last Sunday. The Big Red Bench interviewed winning manager Shane Ronane, hat-trick hero Laura Fitzgerald, captain Breed O'Sullivan and Cork Inter-County duo Imer Meany and Darren O'Sullivan shortly after the final whistle. I'm Shane Ronane. Hearty congratulations. Munster champions considering the conditions and considering, you know, the, the hard effort that you put in this year. Are you happy with that performance? Yeah, look, we're delighted. It was, it was really hard to play football out there today and I think, um, you know, no matter what type of football you were trying to play it was very very hard you couldn't even hand pass the ball at times and look it was very very hard for either team to play football so look we're we're delighted with the with the performance the effort they put in and they really worked hard they did whatever we've asked them to do all year long and look it's it's been a long year a tough year we have a few weeks off now to learn some final and look um, I'm delighted with them because they looked a fantastic bunch and all over the field again today brought on subs again they all contributed so we're, look we're delighted John. Your defence your forwards always get a lot of press coverage and rightly so but your defence again today turnovers tackling it's clearly something you've been working on Yeah look I think our defence is fantastic when they put their mind to it they're, they're brilliant you know and uh, we didn't concede a lot today from play probably too many frees but on a day like today you're going to give away frees so look we're delighted with the defence I don't think they had a goal chance I don't think they have a save to make I think that's fantastic even against that win in the second half our, our defence was outstanding you know even from the kick out point of view we won every kick out in the second half uh, you look I mean, tackling tackle count is fantastic and look we're delighted with that hard work they're putting in looking forward to that Ireland semi-final yeah look it's, it's going to be an interesting a new new pairing uh, I think it's Dunboyne we're playing um, obviously look they have the you know the star names of Vicky, Vicky Wall and Emma Duggan and look they're going to take mining but look I watched their, their final last week they were very impressive against Fox Rock Kevin Teeley um, you know look they're riding on the crest of a wave and I think we've got to be very ready for them we're, look it's great we have it in more Navi so look we'll, we'll enjoy tonight um, we'll try and get through Christmas you know uh, hopefully everybody will stay safe and things like that and look on the 15th or 16th of January we'll be ready to go again Joe, because look it's an Ireland semi-final at home um, we don't know how long more we're going to keep going for so we're going to make hay now while the sun shines for everybody in the big red bench congratulations well done mate thanks very much sir Captain Breed O'Sullivan you're freezing cold <laughs> it's soaked wet after a fantastic performance horrible conditions today but again Mornabi adapted and got the result yeah like there was a really strong wind there today we were lucky to have it uh, we were with it in the first half when we managed to get a good you know few, few scores on the board and then it was just a case of keeping our lead for the second half so we knew that we'd be able to um, control the game in the second half if we were able to build up enough of a lead in the first half so we were just happy to be able to do that yeah Imer Meany was talking about the defence in the midfield and their ability to turn over possession but the work rate of your forwards including yourself off the ball has been hugely impressive people that would have seen that again today it's obviously a trademark yeah like you know Laura Fitz got player of the match there she got three goals but like you know her work rate um, was absolutely outstanding today as well as it was with all, all of the forwards you know they found it really hard to get the ball out of defence which is something that we've been working on all year um, so we were really happy with that aspect of the performance as well looking forward to a Christmas break 
Um, a few days anyway. Um, we're playing in the middle of January now again, yes. and thank God. So, you know, it'd be tough to be training over Christmas, but we're, we're happy to be there as well. Won't be long coming around, but I suppose that momentum that you've gained, you'll probably get a couple of challenge matches or one game if you can get it because it's a big challenge now. But look, you're where you want to be. All Ireland semi-final, it's something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, anytime that you're still involved at this stage of the year, um, it's a massive bonus. Um, so, you know, you just have to take game by game. Um, you know, and we're not going to look um, past the All Ireland semi final. All our focus is on that now for the next couple of weeks. Well, hearty congratulations. Well done. We're delighted for you. <laughs> Thanks a million. Ah, uh, Darren O'Sullivan, horrible conditions, but a beautiful day for Ward Abbey. Yeah, very, very, very tough conditions. I don't think that can go um, unsaid. Um, a ferocious wind, um, always in Cargoon, but especially today. Um, look, we got ahead at half time, and all it was then was controlling the second half and retaining that lead. Real composed performance in the second half as well by your defence. Must be delighted overall. How related? Yeah, very well. Um, look, our lower have some key forwards, and I thought our defence did very well. Um, they got in some really tough tackles, midfield tracking hard, and everyone working hard to turn over that ball and when we did I think um, Shane always harps on about a six second rule that when you turn over a ball it's about being calm then and that's imperative and I, I think today we tried again tough conditions but our turnovers were minimum today which um, in, or gave us a lot of opportunities up front then and Just finally in all Ireland semi-final sounds nice but a Christmas break probably sounds a bit better does it? Uh, no to be honest um, I think you like, like the momentum of the game? Yeah definitely um, look I don't know what the plan to be honest is for over Christmas but I think it's the third week in January we have to look forward to um, look obviously we'll celebrate this one once the finals don't come around too often um, but we, we've uh, all Ireland semi-final to look forward to Congratulations to everybody in the big red bench Thanks very much Eamon Rini fantastic performance horrible conditions but more not be a monster champions once again Yeah look we're absolutely delighted to be back here this is exactly where we wanted to be at the start of the year we knew we had to start out and have a good league campaign which thankfully we did we we built on then, you know, to build for, for the county final and everything like that. And thankfully, things have just gone our way from, from there. And as you said, look, it's absolutely horrendous conditions today, but we dug it out in the end and we we're delighted that we made it over the line in the end. You've been doing really well at the back. I spoke to Shane Renan about your ability to make turnovers and tackles and something that's clearly been working on. Yeah, look, we, we've been out uh, with tennis balls in our hands at training uh, because we were pulling and dragging the whole time. It was the only way to stop us pulling and dragging. Um, so we've been out with tennis balls in our hands practicing so that we couldn't possibly pull and drag so I think we all tried to have imaginary tennis balls in our hands today but look we definitely have worked a lot in our discipline and you know thankfully it is something that we've improved on and we're building on turnovers in the back and then when you you know the calibre of players up front like you have they, they can convert it then and it makes it you know very easy and just finally looking forward to Christmas break but an all earned semi-final sounds good in the new year yeah look we, we'll enjoy the Christmas like we always do but look we'll be back to business in the new year congrats guys well done thanks very much Jared. thanks Mel Laura Fitzgerald, here we are again at the end of an important game for Mornabi in the Munster Championship and a hat-trick of goals. You must be delighted with your own performance, but more importantly, Mornabi are through to an All-Ireland semi-final. Look, I think that's the bottom line. Um, we got the result we wanted. We just wanted to make it through um, today and literally to get to the other side of Christmas, I need to be honest. Um, at times, I don't know, <laughs> I probably could have done more, but um, as I said, team performance, we got what we wanted. Got a nice score up again, um, considering the conditions, but um, I think it was down to literally the hard work of the outfield players. They were incredible from start to finish. I mean, 
they deserve so much credit. Like from the back line up, it was it was great to see. Like standing inside there in the second half, I was minding the goals, whatever. But uh, some of the girls just didn't stop for the sixty odd minutes. It was it was fantastic, person. Yeah, because this time of year, the conditions as well, the heavy pitch, it's not easy. But you've 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 coped with a lot of different situations over the last couple of weeks, and now you're monster champions. How much are you looking forward to All Ireland semi-final? Oh, I mean, very much so. I mean. Like at the start of the year, we kind of set out goals, but like you can only take each match as it comes, like step by step. So, um, like we knew after the game last week what our goal was, um, just to get through today. So, I mean, like to be in All Ireland semi final again, like since started, like we would have given anything at the start of the year to be out in the All Ireland series again. So, I mean, to be going on now to represent Cork and Munster um, out in the All Ireland, um, it's like it's a lot of pressure, but I mean, it's something that we'd relish on, I think, to be honest. Well, congratulations to everybody in the big red bench, and we'll talk to you in the new year. Thanks very much, Steve. Thanks. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.